This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the 128-bit generation. On every episode, my guests and I discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time and our favorite things, its legacy, and even what it would look like today. On today's episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Joseph, and we're going to talk about maybe one of the greatest sports games of all time, Virtua Tennis. So first of all, how are you, Joseph? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you excited to talk about uh, this? I We've been a little behind the scenes. This podcast has been in the works for a while now, but um, <laughs> this is it's actually happening. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with this game, I love it. And there was definitely other candidates for sports games, but I think this is the only one we really decided to talk about. Yeah, now this era, I think, is really when sports games kind of went even mainstream because i think prior to this not that many people played you know football games very widespreadly or, or very mainstream wise you get what i mean but after this i think it got to a point where the graphics were good enough that pretty much all sports games uh became ultra popular because now the players kind of look like the players yeah uh, but yeah this is, this is also where they were throwing a bunch of crap at the walls too with like all the street games and stuff like that too yeah no, for sure. So a little bit of background on Virtual Tennis. So it was released in North America on July 7th of the year 2000. In Europe, it was released on September of that year. And in Japan, it was released on the Dreamcast in November of the same year. So this is a rare title that was released in America first. Now, the reason why it was released later in Japan was because it was an arcade title first. So it's like arcades in Japan are clearly way more popular than in the U.S. and in Europe. So they kind of had a longer life of arcade exclusivity. Uh, that's why it came out later. Um, it was originally developed for the Naomi arcade hardware by one of Sega's in-house development studios, this a team known as Sega AM3, a.k.a. Hitmaker. And that's one of the significant things about this game and this generation. In this era, in the 128-bit era, video games were for the first time able to be powerful enough to run arcade games successfully, right? Like there was always a huge gap between the arcade and the home console. But when they got to the Dreamcast, the Dreamcast could run the Naomi arcade games perfectly, perfectly at home. So that's something that's very significant about this. Um, in fact, the Dreamcast's early success had a lot to do with Sega being able to bring great arcade titles home like Virtual Tennis or, for example, um, Soul Calibur or Marvel versus Capcom 2. All of these were arcade titles first. Um, I don't know if you remember, Joseph, any specific time that you saw like an arcade game that you later saw on the Dreamcast that you were like, that looks exactly the same or anything like that? Actually, this was one of them. Uh, but before that, I'm trying to think, because uh, didn't wasn't Blitz in the arcade where you could take like your Nintendo 64 memory card and plug it into the actual arcade machine? <laughs> yeah, it was. And then I think a couple of Midway games did that. It was Blitz, and then I think it was Gauntlet Legends. I don't know if you Maybe remember Hydro that. Thunder too. Yeah, it was one. Of, it was um like that hack and slash and yeah it might have been all midway games because hydro thunder was also midway yeah now that you said that i was like yeah i think hydro thunder also had that but um yeah that was towards the end of the generation so it was definitely more had its feet in this it had its feet in this generation yeah and hydro thunder also came out on the dreamcast and it was it was a really good uh, dreamcast <laughs> game but i remember the first time i saw the virtual tennis arcade cabinet because it stuck out like a sore thumb because it was white i remember that and it was just like a tiny little vertical thing. Um, but I had seen the Dreamcast game first, like at a GameStop or something like that. And when I saw the arcade one, I remember thinking like, this looks exactly the same because I was kind of used to going to the arcade. And for example, Street Fighter 2 looked way better in the arcade than in the Super Nintendo. It was just little oh, yeah. things like how smooth the graphics are and things like that. But with this one, it was the first one that I was like, oh, wow, it looks it looks the same. Um, yeah, it was the death of everybody of our favorite congregating place. Pretty much. Yeah, especially I think after this, arcades had to resort to being like flashy, unique type of setups that you couldn't get at home, not just the simple joystick and buttons. That's funny because uh, I never I don't think I saw the stand up arcade of um, Virtua Tennis, but I definitely me and Eli were walking around Vegas once and uh, this is still when we were in high school. So 
the time where we were playing like um all the time <laughs> and the arcade version that we saw of it was like the biggest screen i had ever seen at the time um just plugged into virtua tennis and we were like what the hell this is a button this is a game that has like two buttons and a joystick <laughs> no yeah it, it definitely was super simple and the the cabinet kind of looked weird because it was just two buttons as opposed to like joysticks or like you know the the I remember my favorite arcade cabinet is like the Simpsons cabinet where it has like <laughs> yeah. six players all in, bunched up together and this yeah. was like super plain just stick two buttons and that's it. That's funny. So in terms of critical reception, the game had great reviews when it got released on the Dreamcast. On Metacritic, it has an overall score of ninety two. Uh, the website IGN, which still exists even though I haven't visited it in forever, <laughs> uh, gave it a ninety two. GamePro, which is my favorite uh, video game magazine at the time, gave it a perfect score. The lowest score came from GameSpot, which gave it an 81. Um, and it was written by the guy, uh, Gertzman. I don't know if you know him. He went on to found uh, Giant Bomb, which is a really good video game website. So okay. he, he reviewed Virtual Tennis for GameSpot back in the day. Um, it ended up on almost every best game of the year list for the year 2000. Uh, reviewers gave it high marks for its graphics, for its controls, and multiplayer support. Here's an excerpt from a website titled Sports Gaming Network, which is still up, surprisingly. I didn't have to go to a cache <laughs> or anything, and it looks like an old-school, early 2000s website. Uh, in their review, they say the following. They say, quote, I don't know if Keanu Reeves is a gamer, but if he is, he would probably say, whoa, these are most these are some most excellent graphics, dude. End quote. <laughs> How long was much prior did Bill and Ted come out before this? That's my point exactly, because I was just like, okay, Keanu Reeves was popular, you know, The Matrix, but to mention Bill and Ted, uh, it was a dated reference even for the time, so now it even sounds funnier. I mean, it's funnier now because it's kind of come back around and it's not that dated given that we're getting a new movie soon. (laughs) Right. In the March 2001 issue of GamePro, which I am holding in my hand, I have in my archive of GamePro (laughs) magazines. uh, You carried that around? I I brought it over from home recently. That's Uh, funny. I brought a bunch of them, including like... I have a couple of favorite GamePro issues, but this is one of them because it has like a... It has a feature on... Uh, reviewing third-party controls and they abuse them and stuff like that. I don't know why I really like that. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) in this issue, it was a 150th issue of GamePro magazine. The editors at GamePro put together a greatest 15 games of all time list. And believe it or not, Virtual Tennis came in at number eight. That's crazy. According to the to GamePro in in March of two thousand and one, Game Virtual Tennis was the eighth greatest game of all time. And here's what GamePro editor Jake the Snake said about it quote being so recent virtual tennis is a controversial pick even amongst the staff at GamePro. yet in our own offices virtual tennis has been played nearly every day since it became playable nine months ago and admitting an addiction to a tennis game is no easy thing the two-on-two mode ranks up there with buttered popcorn and jelly beans as things that are easy to pick up and yet difficult to put down (laughs) deceptively simple the gameplay gets more elaborate the more you play it virtual tennis has one of the best overall audio and graphic presentations of any sports game end quote so i mean they that's their reasoning for it being the eighth uh best game of all time that it's like popcorn and jelly beans easy to pick up but difficult to put down uh admittedly though this list is a little bit trash here's here's the top 15 <laughs> according to game pro back in 2001 okay number 15 is nba jam number 14 is ultima 4 which is a 1985 pc rpg which i don't think anyone has played it could be significant but i've, I've never played it number 13 is diablo 2 number 12 is madden nfl 2001 for the ps2 uh... <laughs> Okay. Number 11 is EA Hockey 94 for the Sega Genesis. Again, it's probably great, but I don't know if it's top 15 all time. Number 10 is Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is like the best Metroid game ever, right? Number nine is Super Bomberman. Number eight is Virtua Tennis. And then from here, it does get a little bit better. Number seven is Super Mario Bros., the first one on Nintendo. Number number six is Final Fantasy three, which is actually Final Fantasy six in the whole series. Uh, number five is Pac Man. Number four is Tetris. 
Number three is Doom. Number two, Legend of Zelda. And according to Game which, Pro Magazine... Which Legend of Zelda? The first one. Legend of Zelda 1 okay. on the NES. And according to Game Pro Magazine, in their 150th issue, the greatest game of all time is Street Fighter 2 Turbo. <laughs> the new Ocarina of Time had already come out at this point. Right? Yeah, Ocarina of Time had come out. Super Mario 64 had come out. Um, I think Mar- like Mario Kart had already come out. Um, yeah, they they just uh, were they just trying to avoid that whole generation. Probably, I mean, Final Fantasy seven VII and eight were already out. Um, yeah, Crash what? Bandicoot was six. <laughs> Which uh, Final Fantasy was six? I'm forgetting. It's the last one on the NES, on the okay, Super so NES, he, on the Super. Yeah, NES. what? Yeah, it, that I does mean, not make any sense. It had a great uh, villain. I forgot what his name was. Arguably the best villain in the Final Fantasy series. But uh, yeah, it, it mean, just had so many great games, and you put. Madden NFL 2001 on the list. I mean, that one might be one that holds up because that was, like you were saying, the first one where people started trying to play. No, who was that? The one with um, what's his name on the title or on the cover? I, the running back for the Titans. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. Eddie George. Eddie George. Eddie George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that the was one. the one that I remember. Like everybody starting to play Madden with. Like that was when Madden started becoming a thing. No. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I one of the first things is our our buddy Jacob, who got a PS2 at launch. He had Madden 2001, and I remember going over to play and just being able to see the seams on the football as it was spinning on the replays. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, this is the future." <laughs> <laughs> I, that moment sticks out to me. So maybe I am I am trash talking Madden 2001 a little bit too much, but. I just don't like this list. <laughs> as I mean, much I would I would say better than like Diablo one or uh, definitely that Final Fantasy one. Now that there's been like sixteen iterations, <laughs> no, yeah, and I mean, what's his name? Uh, the Super Nintendo Legend of Zelda. What's it called? The Link to the Past, or I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> that one's better than the original Legend of Zelda, and it's not even on here. Uh, is that the side scroller one? Yeah. I'm not a fan of that one. What about um Super Metroid? Super Metroid's not on here. Yeah. That's a great game. Super um, Metroid should have definitely been on here. Uh, it's just weird. Top 15 or top 100 lists are always weird, but it just... The whole point of this is that at this point in time, this video game magazine considered Virtua Tennis, who had just yeah. come out a couple of months ago, to be like one of the top 15 of all time. Yeah, at least from the quote, it seems like they were trying to avoid recent games, but like for this one to overcome that and it just being like what it is like a tennis game that is pretty good i guess yeah overall it was like i said virtual tennis was universally beloved it like i couldn't find any really negative reviews about it even the old GameSpot one which was the toughest review with an 81 gave it like i think the the headline was like tennis fans should be in heaven after playing <laughs> virtual <laughs> tennis which was uh which is pretty dramatic in terms of I'm sales sure this oh, game made me love tennis actually <laughs> for a little while anyway I think my only reference to tennis, the way I learned tennis rules was through virtual tennis. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely I, taught me the word nil and love. Yeah, love and uh, advantage whoever. It's just like I knew, I now knew what it was. I finally understood what game set and match meant. I thought it was a chess term before <laughs> this. It, it was definitely influential for me in that sense. In terms of sales, it's a little hard to find sales data for the Dreamcast, but there's this guy on Twitter. His name is Matt Piscatella. He works for the NPD Retail Group, which is the retail group that tracks entertainment sales, including video games. Uh, he sent out a tweet uh, showing like the top selling games for the Dreamcast last year um, when it was a Dreamcast 20th anniversary. And Virtual Tennis was the 12th best selling Dreamcast game right below Sonic Adventure 2 and above Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. So those are not those are pretty good games and it's right in between those two. It's sold enough to be in the greatest hits series for the Dreamcast which is called Sega All-Stars and that's another thing where kind of like this graph that um the MPD guy showed didn't show like number of units moved but uh retail value of them and the greatest hits version or the Sega All-Stars sold for 20 bucks instead of 40. So that could play into it. Either way, Virtual Tennis sold really well. I don't think anyone that I knew with a Dreamcast didn't have Virtual Tennis also. 
I think you might have been the only person that I knew with the Dreamcast, so I can <laughs> say that, yeah, <laughs> that goes, that stands for me too. Yeah, no, uh, so it sold well. Um, a couple of behind the scenes or trivia about the game. Uh, so Virtual Tennis's creator and main director slash producer is actually a woman, and her name is Mie Kumagai. I don't know if, that's, if I'm pronouncing that right, but she went on to head Sega AM3 or Hitmaker. And apparently, according to her, Sega at first didn't like the idea of a new tennis game. They thought it would be too simple. They didn't think it would be a good showcase of the new hardware. But she went on to build a demo just showing the mechanics. And it's pretty funny because um, in, in there's a video I found of her talking about developing the game. And she talks about how the first thing they did like to show the gameplay engine they didn't make any player models. They were using a model from like an old game of a of a railroad worker. You know, it's just hammering like a John Henry type. And they put him like they put tennis rackets on him and they didn't animate him to just kind of it would just move. So the first demo that Sega ever saw of virtual tennis was a railroad worker playing tennis against another <laughs> railroad worker. That's so funny. Yeah. So it was good enough to get approved. And uh, another interesting thing about it was that the lead AI developer, his name was Takashi Numazawa, was actually a tennis player himself. And that is something that uh, Miss Kumagai, the director, um, like really looked for. And that's why I, that was one of the greatest factors in why she chose him to head the AI development, because she wanted someone to understand how tennis works and how tennis players react and things like that. So I thought that was super cool. And it really shows the kind of care that went into um, a simple tennis game. Yeah, that that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, I wonder if that would fly these days, like the having those weird models. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's another thing too. This is uh, this game occurred at a very interesting time where, like, f wire wire like set, like wiring up frameworks or demos for potential game engines and stuff. I'm sure we're still done mostly by hand and not necessarily like in the engine with other tools and stuff like that. So, um, and I know that like the, the Dreamcast had a good development environment and like it was all in windows and stuff like that. So this is probably like the last of these types of crude wire, wire ups <laughs> for a game. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit on virtual tennis. Now we're going to get into the questions of our show, the, they're really digging into this game. And I guess the first question for you, Joseph, is what is your favorite thing about this game, about virtual tennis? Um, I'd have to go with successfully spiking the ball right in someone's face. <laughs> uh, but really, like, the gameplay of it, it's just so, like, like we were ta talking about how smooth it is and how, I mean, the simplicity of it. And you can just pick up and play it, but it's also um, from that quote where he was saying it's kind of deep, um, yeah, like you can actually once you start learning how to like put spin on the ball or like control the ball, like after you're like as you're taking your shot, once you start timing up and realizing how to how to line things up, you can you can tell how deep it really gets. But yeah, you can be good at it just by picking up the controller and playing it. Yeah, I think it's a really rewarding game in that sense that you can totally just pass it if you just use one button and that's it. But if you like once you start playing against other people and you can see the type of things that you can do like you walk to the edge and you serve right at the edge to get the guy to like dive or you start messing around with lobs and stuff like that it gets mm -hmm. it gets really deep and it gets really annoying when you're playing with someone so i think that that's one of my favorite things about this game just the variety of gameplay styles that it afforded you and it made multiplayer so 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 much fun do you um, remember your the way you played the most? I was trying to myself, and I think it was like just up on net, which probably doesn't bode well. <laughs> I mean, given my history now with multiplayer games and how bad my Twitch reactions are, like it probably wasn't the best play style for me. But I remember like always trying to get up on net and spiking the ball in people's faces. Yeah, I think I, what I would always do is I would when I'm serving, I would always go all the way to the to the right like almost out of the of the court and spike it all the way to the other extreme and unless you do it when the meter is like really really high when it's red you're gonna get a fault but uh -huh. if you did it just right you would almost always force the person to either dive or be extremely out of position for the next one 
so that, to that's just what I, put it on the other side. Yeah, that's what I would always try to do when I was serving. And then when I was um, like on the receiving end, I don't know what it's called. Clearly, I didn't know that much about tennis. <laughs> um, but I would kind of try to, whenever they were coming soft, to hit it close to the net on their end so that they would have to kind of rush forward to it. Um, that's how I, I would always try to respond. And that would also sometimes lead to like faults because it would hit the net on my side. But always like I never I, I would never try to respond strong. I'd always try to respond just like softly, softly. So that was yeah. my my technique, at least. Another thing about this game that I really liked was the VMU, which is the memory card on the Dreamcast. Uh, when you plug it into the controller for certain games, it would display different things on the screen. And when you were playing Virtua Tennis, it actually had a really crude representation of whatever was happening on the court at the time. So it would be like the screen, but on the VMU and crappy little LCD lines. And when you move your character, it would move down there or whatever. So when I was playing by myself, I would try and beat the like the AI by playing on the VMU only. Whatever, you were cheating that whole time and I barely <laughs> learned this 15 years later. No, it's, it was way harder because the ball was just literally one pixel, like one little pixel. Oh, um, that's funny. Yeah, so Did I would... give it like yourself some added difficulty? That yeah, way? that's what I would do or whenever I would play my sister when she, uh, when, when I would play against her, <laughs> I would be like, I'm going to play watching the screen just to annoy her and uh, <laughs> I would beat her. But that's another thing that I really, really liked about this game and it, it was just I spent so much time with this game. I I broke a controller. Like the joystick stopped working because of how much it was used. Like it just it just gave out. It was all loose. Kind of like how the N64 controllers would get all all messed up. Yeah. The same thing happened to a Dreamcast controller for me. Like I, I had thought to you were gonna say out of frustration. I was like, <laughs> this game got you mad enough to throw it. <laughs> no, not this game. Other games did, but not this game. This game just <laughs> I just played it over and over again. Um, but it it just it had a my another one of my favorite moments was just um i guess just the sound like i think the first time i discovered that you could lob it over people i just did that every single time <laughs> it was just rewarding to discover new mechanics in the game that was a frustrating week for sure <laughs> and for the the second question what's the standout moment for this game so what what's a standout moment for you uh joe um I mean, it's kind of what they already described before, and I don't know really. Like, given that it's so simple, also, I didn't own it, so I didn't really get to play, like, the tour or anything. It was mm. definitely just getting together at um, at your house with everybody and playing it, um, get, getting to spike the ball right in people's faces. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the, like, the really, I guess, full stand, complete standout moment to me was, like, other than those standouts, those multiplayer sessions, which, like, I loved and that was kind of my my favorite memory of of any dreamcast session i think mm. um was that those were training grounds that led to the arcade machine that i told you before <laughs> me and eli going to vegas and just cleaning up on these people dude like they would show up and like me and him would be playing singles and then they would try and play doubles with us and we would just like smoke them like they would win almost no games sometimes and it was just this huge screen that we were playing for like probably an hour um because we were in vegas and we were underage so my parents we're like here's quarters go to the go to the arcade uh and then like after a while we just got bored of it and left and then like the, that was when we saw all these people flock to the machine because we weren't beating them anymore <laughs> no yeah definitely for me the this is a game that will always live in my memory as a multiplayer like um the multiplayer experiences for it were always a standout moment and i had in my room i had like a little 13 inch white plastic tube tv it was it was one of those tvs that they made for uh kitchens like back in the day when, when those sort of things and with like an end uh i remember it had a built-in vcr also um but yeah. that's that's where my dreamcast was and i remember just multiple people in there because i had four controllers and just some of us sitting on the bed some of us sitting on the floor and just crowding this, packed in yeah packed into this tiny tv the AC in El Paso doing it's the best it can to keep up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just going at it. And we, I remember we played for hours and for weeks and months. And I, I don't want to say years, but potentially years. <laughs> yeah, I think at, le at least two years for sure. Yeah, but it was a, it was a thing where we would play it every day almost. Um, one of our friends, because uh, right now we're in our 30s, one of our friends recently said, 
the last time I played video games was virtual tennis in Rod's room. <laughs> so it, I think it brought everyone. And I think it's because of that thing, because it was accessible where even our friends who didn't necessarily play video games were into it because it was easy enough to pick up. Um, and it had enough enough depth, though, that there was a separation between the people who would put dedication into it and those who wouldn't. But even those who wouldn't could get lucky now and then because that's that's how sports games are, right? And especially when they're so well balanced. So we would play for hours and forever. And um, I think the only game that kind of comes close to that of a subsequent era has been like Super Smash Brothers, maybe. Um, even then, the newer ones are kind of tough. I'd say like maybe Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart still does that, especially on Mario the Switch. Where you have, uh, or you can have the Joy Cons and stuff like that, but then you have yeah, like Mario Party, screen. some some more with like the simplistic. I think that was the part of it too. Is it and maybe not Mario Party because like sometimes those games can get kind of long. That was also part of it. Is like the matches were pretty quick and you could just move on to the next person, so everybody really got their turn and it wasn't like somebody could just hog it and be on it all the time. Yeah, now that is definitely true because it was just you you could just go through it over like you could just cycle through everyone pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if you remember or if you were there that day, but there was a time when I had like an undefeated streak and <laughs> whoever was partnered up with me wouldn't lose. And then the one time I lost, I remember I got really annoyed. And uh, it was like after that, it w I wasn't undefeated for longer than probably like a day or something like that. But I remember <laughs> the first time I lost after being undefeated for a long time, I think Rulis was like jumping around on my bed or something like that. <laughs> and I was just so annoyed. But, uh, yeah, that was awesome. I do remember that pretty vividly, actually. <laughs> there was another standout moment for me, which was when you, um, when you would beat the world tour or whatever without losing, you would get an extra match with someone named King or Master, and they would do all these dirty tricks like underhanded serves and things like that, where you're like, oh, you it it, it unlocked this whole extra dimension of the game, and they were like the the overpowered characters and the first time i came into them like i lost and then you had to replay the world tour all over again to not um like without losing a single match all the way to the end and uh, <laughs> so that was like something that allowed that made me that motivated me to go a little bit further and it was just it was a nice little thing that they added i don't know if it was on the arcade version but for sure it was it was in the home version so that's another standout moment to me when you think you've mastered the game like you just swept through it and then these guys show up that are way better than anyone you've ever faced before. Uh, that's pretty cool. The third question, what is the worst part of the game? What's the worst part of the game for you, uh, Joe? Um, I don't know. I can't really think of one. I'd say having to stop playing eventually and, <laughs> and leaving your house, really, because like, I can't really think of any other bad memories of this game at all. Maybe getting the the balls spiked in your face but even then like you like you had to give it to someone because they did it yeah um yeah i can't i don't i don't think i even have one to be honest with you yeah i mean i really had to dig deep because i was thinking and it's like i don't i didn't really dislike anything about this game one thing that would get annoying is that the background music was just kind of like generic uh pop rock um, yeah, <laughs> and it would like when I would play it for so long, it would get stuck in my head to the point where like I would close my eyes and hear it. <laughs> but I mean, that happened with lots of stuff back then. And uh, I don't think it would have been any better if it would have had licensed music. But that's it's I don't gra think so because it, even MLB the show, like I get a lot of those songs stuck in my head and they're bad songs in, in a lot of cases. And that's just because there's only like five of them. So whenever I'm like staying on the trade menus, trying to figure stuff out, they all they all end up getting stuck anyway. And they're and I hate those songs. Yeah, I think for I think this era is also when when licensed music started showing up in sports games because it, it was just not possible before. Right. Um, yeah, I think ever like. All the EA sports games started having licensed music, especially like um, NBA Street. I remember had um, they reminisce over you as like their title song, which was pretty amazing. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, I don't think it would have improved this game. And like I said, it's not really something that was really like a bad part of the game. It's just if I had to pick something, I would say eh, the music kind of got repetitive after playing it for 12 hours in a day. <laughs> 
I mean, it. it's actually like, now that you bring it up, yeah, that's a valid criticism and probably the only one that I like, I think is, is valid anyway, um, because there is a bunch of other games in this, gen- in this generation with great soundtracks, like even including Final Fantasy VII. Well, Final Fantasy VII was a generation before, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, even then, if we go back a generation before, there was some with some pretty good soundtracks already. But not that this was a, like a focus of that game, of this game anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think, like I said, this is the, that's the only, it's more of a nitpick than something that's like the worst part of the game. Um, but this generation had great music. I don't know if you remember uh, Need for Speed Underground. Oh, yeah. The music in those was awesome. It was just like all this uh, Southern hip hop and all these other, like it was just cruising music and it was perfect yeah. for that game. So this the is four. the heyday of the Fast and Furious. Exactly. Well, not even the heyday, because now it is. This is the launch of the Fast and Furious <laughs> uh, Euro car trend. Yeah, and there was a bunch. There was Need for Speed Underground. There was Midnight Club Racing. Um, <laughs> it, it was a great Midnight era. Club. So the fourth question, how did the game age? What parts of it aged the best and worst, aside from the graphics? So what do you think, Joseph? How did this game age, and what was the best uh, part? Like, what aged the best, and what aged the worst? I think it aged pretty well. I mean, it would, if I had a Dreamcast, I would definitely still play it occasionally. Mm. Um, I don't know how often you go back and play like uh, retro or have like retro gaming sessions, like with the NES Classic or like the Switch retro stuff. Mm. Um, but I'll always psych myself up and be like, yeah, I'm going to play some retro stuff. And then like 10, 20 minutes, and I'm like, oh, yeah. This sucks. That's why we <laughs> moved on to like new generations and stuff. But this one seems like it would be again, like quick enough to where you could go in, get in a few matches, get like what you came for and then, and then leave it. Um, I definitely think like the watch. So I, I don't have a Dreamcast right now to have gone back and play it, but watching like a bunch of the gameplays to refresh myself with it, the physics of it just seems so smooth. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely like, I know you're not saying the graphics, but like even the rendering of the shadow on the ball, like brought some realism to it that yeah. I think wouldn't, wouldn't make me want to not play it the way a lot of those other retro games do where it's where they just like they're they're very clearly dated and even though this kind of looks like it like yeah. this could be as easily be a um like an iOS game. Yeah. No, I I agree with you and I I still have a Dreamcast. I still have three Dreamcasts and I I plugged it in <laughs> recently and played and you know it it holds up um, the only thing that's a little weird about it is the animations. The animation, the animations do get a little bit repetitive, and I think that's something that would have changed now. Like the diving animation is exactly the same no matter where, where or how you dive. That's one of the things. Um, but I believe it aged it aged really well. Like it it feels really good. the The way the ball moves feels realistic. The way it looks feels really good. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is something that surprisingly, because especially in the generation prior, like PlayStation games and 64 games are kind of hard to play and look at and the controls feel weird and things like that. But this one, it it moves and it behaves kind of like how I remembered it. It's not one of those things where, like I remember there's this old PlayStation game, um, Blasto. I don't know if you remember Blasto. No. Blasto was a first party game. It, it kind of had like a um, Johnny Bravo looking guy. It's like a mix between Johnny Bravo and Mr. Incredible, because, but he was from the future and it was like a platformer shooter type thing. And um, I remember I really enjoyed that demo. And then I found it on an emulator and loaded it up and whatever. And it looks awful. Like I got dizzy looking at it. Right? I, I see. I'm pulling up the game art right now. I remember the game art, but I never played this game. <laughs> it was, I used to really like the demo. Like, I, it's one of those demo. I got it from like an official PlayStation Magazine demo or something. And yeah. I played that demo over and over again. And a couple of years ago, I, I loaded it up and it's, it's bad. Like, and that's not the case with virtual tennis. Virtual tennis feels as good as it did back then. Um, I think the, the thing that aged the worst was, the players <laughs> so they they <laughs> yeah. have real life players but honestly i don't think any of them went on to be anything bigger like tommy haas is still around which is the german guy with the backwards cap yeah um, but i don't think any one of them are i think of virtual tennis two or three though roger federer shows up which is pretty i know cool. serena williams was in part two yeah in part two they added women but in part one they had they had i 
And again, I'm not a tennis guy, so maybe it's just like one of them is super underrated or something like that. No, I don't like even the years after like I got into tennis, like I said, a little bit right after this, uh, kind of in the years after high school and I in high school and after high school. And I don't know any of these players. <laughs> so I think mm -hmm. that's that's one thing that aged um, that aged the worst. Also, the music, like I said before, that's that's the one thing that I feel could have been a little better. Since you brought it up, do you remember who your go-to guys were? Uh, Tommy Haas, the the German guy with the backwards uh -huh. cap and the sweater vest, and uh, Philippusis, the I think he was the Australian <laughs> in blue, because he had a powerful serve. And that's uh, if you remember, my strategy started off with the serve. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, I don't remember his name, but I remember the German guy with the ponytail. <laughs> he was my other one. <laughs> I try. I don't remember it either. Yeah, I think mine was Henman just because I had the weird obsession or I still kind of like a weird vague obsession with English sports. Like I like the English <laughs> soccer team for almost no reason. Um, and then also the dudes with hats just because I always wore hats in high school. Yeah, the Japanese so definitely guy Tommy Haas was too, one right? of my guys. Yeah, him and uh, Tommy Haas was one of my guys too. And there was another dude who had like a forward-facing white hat, but I don't remember his name right now. Yeah, I can't remember him either. I also remember that the, the initial row of players – had like a hand-drawn, like a, 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 phot a photograph portrait of them. And then the second row of unlockable players, which is where like the Japanese guy was at and the German with the ponytail, they had rendered like polygon <laughs> drawings of them. So <laughs> I don't remember that much. I think another thing that didn't age really well, and again, this is because I played it recently and it's no fault of the game, but I have to mention it, is the Dreamcast controller. It just, if the joystick, like nowadays we're kind of accustomed to the soft plastic on the joystick, but the Dreamcast is all hard plastic and it has a really sharp edge on the bottom of like the mushroom head or whatever. And it gets, it gets tiring after a while. Like my, <laughs> my thumb, I guess it's, I have softer thumbs in my old age, but it's kind of like, <laughs> it, it, that's one thing that didn't age well. The, the Dreamcast joystick particularly feels really bad nowadays compared to like the ps4 or the xbox joystick yeah they didn't have uh extended gaming sessions in mind back then <laughs> they didn't think that they have to be putting these uh disclaimers to remind people to walk away from their game <laughs> sessions every like two hours or something that is true that that's probably that you know that's probably true because i don't think they put they, they didn't assume that anyone would be playing for more than eight hours <laughs> in a day yeah <laughs> And um, the fifth question, what is the legacy of this game? What do you think is the legacy of Virtua Tennis, Joseph? Um, honestly, I, I looked into it a little bit, and I know that it lasted for a few more generations, and even all the way like into the next generation with uh, in the PS3 generation. Mm. And then there is actually an iOS game. I brought it up earlier how it could be an iOS game. I just remembered right now it is an iOS game, and late last night I downloaded it and played through a match, um the whole like it gets more complex as you get into it totally stands true for that one i don't know if it's on android but it is also kind of like super ad heavy after every single game they make you watch an ad <laughs> so it's not um it's not the best experience definitely and it's got weird like fodger Redderer and like <laughs> timothy nadal like they're not actual players in it but it's actually like still kind of going strong for sega because they if they weren't, then they wouldn't have had this version on the current generation of the App Store because I know there was a bunch of them, a bunch of um, apps that got dumped because they didn't update. Oh. Um, I think two or three years ago. Okay. And so, it's still kind of going strong. Um, I don't know that they're. Yeah, beyond that, what the what the what the legacy of this game really could be or is really i mean I, th I feel like that's really the only place that it could have gone there's no way they're gonna get a triple a title or anything like that <laughs> yeah i think uh, i don't know if you remember also but virtual tennis even made it onto the n gauge so <laughs> <laughs> the nokia n gauge so i think it's, oh man i think the legacy is that simple can work like if, yeah. if you if you have a simple mechanic i mean tennis is the first mechanic in video games right the first video game ever was pong which is a tennis game, pretty much. Yeah. So this is Pong. It's just better um, with the same, exactly the same game, though. Just like get the ball past the other person. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that's the legacy of it, that even in an advanced era, if you nail it, if you get the feel of it right, if you put enough thought 
into the AI and a simple thing can work and work really well. And the other thing that I think really stands out to me is something that I mentioned earlier where virtual tennis really showed that arcades are kind of dead. <laughs> it's just like, you don't need to go to an arcade. You can just get the exact same thing at home and you don't have to spend quarters for everything. You just spend the 40 bucks and you have it at home forever and you can master it. And then when you show up to the arcade, all you have to do is spend one quarter because no one will be able to beat you. Yeah. And, uh, I, th I think that's the thing. It's just like virtual tennis was one, one of the titles that really cemented the death of the arcade for normal, quote unquote, normal video games. I think after this, arcades had to tilt to more of like a uh, amusement park scenario, right? Where you have either VR or a big pilot's cockpit or a big you know, driving setup and something Big like that. Gun or like a, like silent scope or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something like that, where you just couldn't have a normal game because the Dreamcast and virtual tennis was one of the first ones that really nailed it. Um, showed that also, I think it's arguably the best tennis game of all time. <laughs> I'd argue that because I think, um, personally Mario tennis on, I think the 64, was my favorite tennis game of all time. Did they release a Mario tennis game on the Switch? Yeah, it's uh, it's a new one. It's called Mario Aces, or newer anyway. Is that I I haven't played that. Is that do they? Do I haven't they played it either. Anything? Because that's the I, thing. The last one I played was the GameCube one, and it like that was the other thing too. Is it's not as simple as. Um, as virtual tennis, because virtual tennis is just pure tennis. Mario in its thing also has like there's times where it has those you know those little um, question mark like uh, the in, blocks. Yeah, the, there you go. The blocks yeah. from Mar from Mario Kart. Yeah, you can. They're on top of the net, so if you like mm. hit through it, you get like power ups and stuff like that. So that one's a little more frantic, um, but it's I think it's a little more fun. I want to say. But I don't know that it has the simplicity or would have been as good as like um, as just repetitiveness going through like like the bedroom that we were talking about yeah. as Virtua Tennis. Yeah, I think there was a successor to Virtua Tennis. And I don't know if you remember, it came out for Xbox. It was Top Spin. Uh, that's what it was I called. do remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. Top Spin was like the thing that got closest to it. And apparently there was a tennis game released two years ago on the PS4 and the Switch and the Xbox One called Tennis World Tour. And it has Roger Federer on the cover. But uh, this is one of the reviews for it. The worst tennis game that has ever released on any <laughs> format to date. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I think we can say that um, that that's, that's one of the legacies for it, right? The best pure tennis game. Let's say that much. <laughs> All right. So question six, is this the peak for any of the studios or generation? Like, for example, is this the best tennis game? Is this the best Dreamcast game? Um, what do you think, uh, Joe? Does this, does virtual tennis represent the peak of anything? I didn't have a Dreamcast, so it's definitely the one that I put the most time into and I can say is probably, like, my favorite um, mm. Dreamcast game. Mm. I know there was a couple other ones that are like stylishly cool, like Jet Set uh, Radio and yeah. uh, Future and stuff like that. But like, so that like in terms of design, those may be a little better. But in terms of gameplay, which is really what games c should come down to, I think it's probably the peak for me for sure. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I think we also agree that this is the best tennis game, the best realistic tennis game ever made, or <laughs> realistic-ish game ever made. Um, and if you were to tell me, like, if someone were to say that, yeah, this is my favorite Dreamcast game, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put up like a big fight over it because it was a very solid game, and I got so many hours out of it. Um, I wish I, I had the hour counter on it just to see how much <laughs> I got. Um, and I definitely think it's either between this or Soul Calibur that would be the peak of arcade to home uh, yeah. ports, where it's just like these nailed it and I don't need to go to the arcade ever again. So that would be, I can't think of another arcade game that, 
that got ported so well other than those yeah, two. Yeah, I forgot that Soul Calibur was on here. So yeah, I definitely think this generation killed arcades because I loved playing Soul Calibur in the arcades. Yeah. Just to go on a tangent for a second. Yeah, it was it was awesome. But then like the Dreamcast version, you were like, oh, wow, this is exactly the same thing. And then the PS2 version was like they added an extra character and the GameCube version. You get what I mean? It was just like it's it, it, it they nailed it. And this would yeah. be the peak of of arcade ports. Um, was episode one racer an arcade game or is that like a separate one? You know, the one that has the big levers. It was an arcade game, um, but I think it was it was one of those where it was it didn't run as smooth as it did like on the Nintendo sixty four, mm. or it ran smoother in the arcade than it did on the Nintendo sixty four, and also that was more like the the amusement park that you're kind of talking about because you sat in the actual cockpit and controlled it with the two big levers. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm. I think the Virtua Tennis ushered in that revolution quicker. Um, where you had to have some other appeal because some, they already have a $40 version at home. <laughs> that would be a lot yeah. better. And the seventh and last question, how would this game work or look like in 2020? I mean, from Tennis World Tour, we'd see it's a piece of crap. <laughs> uh, but no, I, think, I mean, I think it could be really good if somebody like took the time in and, and made it, went back to like the simplicity. I don't know what Tennis World Tour's main flaw is, but if there was a game this simple that was like 20 bucks you could pick up on any like Xbox Live store, Marketplace or the Switch store or whatever, like I think it could definitely work. I mean, the iOS one, like I said, I only played a game yesterday, but by the time I got a little further into it. Like I could see it working if I didn't have to watch an ad every 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think tennis has a lot of potential if the mechanics are, are right. Like I wish there was, um, I'm just thinking like if there was a virtual tennis that it would allow you to do was to hold your racket differently, that could be interesting. Um, right. Or if there was a, a, a virtual tennis that allowed you to sprint and like differentiate between sprinting and just running that would be cool or like something like that i i do think there is a place for it to evolve um and i kind of wish it would because it's such a simple game but it's so rewarding to be good at it yeah the i do wonder though because you mentioned all the pop-ups in the ios version um <laughs> how would it be like free to play how a free to play version of it would look like unlock extra rackets that have more power or something like that <laughs> yeah definitely some sort of loop loop boxes yeah i also think it would be kind of cool to see it take the rocket league route where it is um maybe cars playing tennis <laughs> which would be pretty cool uh it could be called virtua rc tennis or something like that um the, that's just got me thinking of like uh tennis street actually <laughs> like these right. players like shooting off shirt serves on fire and stuff nadal's arms being like as wide as his head and <laughs> yeah that would be pretty cool there's another one I, I don't know if you remember the last olympics they had badminton and it's the first time i had ever seen competitive badminton played which is <laughs> that game with like the tiny racket and the yeah, the ball, ball thing. The rubber ball. Yeah. It is insane. So I think that that would be cool. That could like we should have Virtua Badminton. That could be the next iteration for 2020 because it's fast. So you need a fast machine. You could have all of these insane camera angles and finishing moves and whatever. <laughs> I think it would it, I'm excited just thinking about Virtua Badminton. <laughs> and then you have the uh, Olympic tie-in too, so yeah, there you go. And it got delayed a year. So you have a year to get it together, Sega. <laughs> <laughs> that's your. That's going to be your return from, from your fall. Badminton's going to let you bring out another console and everything. <laughs> so any final thoughts on virtual tennis or um, or just the this this whole period in video games, which is that transition from arcade to the home and how virtual tennis kind of ushered that? Um, no, I think we touched on everything that we needed to really like i would just say again since we're not bringing up any other sports games is how influential and how this kind of made this helped to make video games the, the huge market that it is now because you start to see those madden games pop up even and and then like the nfl street nba street like there was also niche games that blew up too 
and it showed how viable it was for like no longer was it just nerds playing Zelda in their on their SNES anymore. You mm-hmm. could start bringing like wider audiences into playing video games and getting a pretty good foothold there. That's a great point, especially because um, like earlier when I found that guy's tweet uh, from the NPD group about the top selling titles for the Dreamcast of the 20 top selling titles, 14 of them were sports games. So this is definitely an era when sports games became what they are today, right? When they became mainstream, when they became the drivers, when they became those cash cows for people like EA, or at this time, there was still competition for them. Like 2K was still making football games and baseball games. And and there was more than one option for these, right? Nowadays, it's like, okay, there's the football game. There's There's maybe two soccer games. But in this time, there was multiple basketball games multiple wrestling games multiple football games and um but yeah this i think this is really when when video games we got the best baseball um game still ever made mvp 05 (laughs) i think um also i don't know if you remember there was this penny arcade strip that kind of talked about this where um they talk about like kind of reckoning with the fact that video games are no longer quote unquote ours, which is like the <laughs> nerds domain. Um, and they, they, they mentioned that it started with Madden with NFL 2k and how those games sold better than the games they were looking forward to, where it's just like, Oh wow, this is not the nerds domain anymore. Now it's, yeah. it's everyone's right. And yeah. Doesn't it end with one of them with like a football helmet screaming to <laughs> screaming at their TV or something? Yeah, I think I remember. I think that's how it ends. <laughs> it was like a three part dramatic Penny Arcade trying to be serious uh, <laughs> moment. Uh. I think that's, that's a great point where this era kind of showed how good sports games can be and ushered in a whole new audience that didn't exist for video games before. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I do wish that multiplayer, local multiplayer, was as good as uh, this was. I, I think there's very few games that are as good at local multiplayer than this ever was. Even anything nowadays. Yeah, everything with way. wireless controllers would be so much better with local multiplayer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't all have to be gathered around a crappy <laughs> little TV. Yeah. That's another thing that I, when I replayed it, I forgot what it was like to have a wired controller. And it's just so constricting because... I can't sit back on my bed. Like I have to be close to the TV. <laughs> yeah, that was what I remembered with that was one of the things too with the SNES classic where I was like, nope, this sucks. I'm gonna stop playing this for a little bit. But like I'll I'll play it every now and then in small sessions. But yeah, I can't do extended ones for sure. Yeah. So that was the first episode. This was Virtual Tennis, one of the greatest titles of the 128-bit era, the sixth generation. Uh, Join us next time as we delve deeper into this generation and the games that made it and how they in turn shaped the gaming world up until now. So thanks, Joseph. Yep, no problem. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.